Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about back pain and sciatica. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerodefinals.com slash backpain or in the orthopaedic section of the Zero to Finals surgery book. So let's get straight into it. Lower back pain is very common and it has many causes. Lumbago is another term for lower back pain. Non-specific or mechanical lower back pain refers to the majority of patients who do not have a specific disease that's causing the lower back pain. Sciatica refers to the symptoms associated with irritation of the sciatic nerve. Acute lower back pain should improve within one to two weeks. Recovery can take longer for sciatica, lasting four to six weeks. Chronic lower back pain can have a massive impact on a patient's quality of life and can be difficult to manage. There are several challenges when managing patients with lower back pain. This includes identifying any serious underlying pathology that may be there, speeding up recovery, reducing the risk of chronic lower back pain and managing the symptoms if the patient develops chronic lower back pain. Let's talk about the causes of mechanical back pain. The causes of mechanical back pain include muscle or ligament sprains, facet joint dysfunction affecting the facet joints on the vertebra, sacroiliac joint dysfunction, a herniated disc, spondylolisthesis, which is anterior displacement of a vertebra out of line with the vertebra below, scoliosis, which refers to a curved spine, and degenerative changes, meaning arthritis, affecting the discs and the facet joints. Let's talk about the causes of neck pain. The causes of neck pain include muscle or ligament strains, for example due to poor posture or repetitive activities, torticollis, which typically presents with a patient waking up with a unilaterally stiff and painful neck due to muscle spasm, whiplash, typically occurring after a road traffic accident, and cervical spondylosis, which is degenerative changes in the vertebra of the cervical spine. Let's go through the serious red flag causes of back pain. This is central to look out for features that may indicate serious underlying pathology, such as a spinal fracture, for example after major trauma, Corda equina, for example, symptoms of saddle anesthesia, urinary retention, fecal or urinary incontinence, or bilateral lower limb neurological signs. Spinal stenosis, for example, a patient presenting with intermittent neurogenic claudication. Ankylosing spondylitis, for example, a patient under the age of 40 presenting with a gradual onset of morning stiffness or nighttime pain or spinal infection if the patient has a history of fever or IV drug use. Let's talk about some other causes of back pain. Keep in mind that back pain will not always be related to the spine and there's a long list of abdominal and thoracic conditions that can cause back pain, including pneumonia, ruptured aortic aneurysms, kidney stones, pyelonephritis, pancreatitis, prostatitis, pelvic inflammatory disease, and endometriosis. Next, let's talk about sciatica. The spinal nerves that come from L4 to S3 come together to form the sciatic nerve. 
the sciatic nerve exits the posterior part of the pelvis through the greater sciatic foramen in the buttock area on either side. It travels down the back of the leg. At the knee, it divides into the tibial nerve and the common perineal nerve. The sciatic nerve supplies sensation to the lateral lower leg and the foot. It supplies motor function to the posterior thigh, lower leg and the foot. Sciatica causes unilateral pain that comes from the buttock radiating down the back of the thigh to below the knee or the feet. It might be described as an electric or a shooting pain. Other symptoms are paresthesia, which is pins and needles, numbness and motor weakness. The reflexes may be affected depending on which nerve root is affected. The main causes of sciatica are lumbosacral nerve root compression caused by a herniated disc, spondylolisthesis, which remember is anterior displacement of a vertebra out of line with the one below, or spinal stenosis. Bilateral sciatica is a red flag for cordoaquina syndrome and shouldn't be ignored. Let's talk about the history and examination of a patient who has back pain. When you're assessing any pain, you can use the Socrates mnemonic. S for sight, O for onset, C for character, R for radiation, A for associations, T for timing of the pain, E for exacerbating and relieving factors, and S for severity. The key symptoms to look out for in the history are major trauma, which may indicate a spinal fracture, stiffness in the morning, or worse with rest, which can indicate ankylosing spondylitis, a patient aged under 40, which can indicate ankylosing spondylitis, a gradual onset of progressive pain, which can indicate ankylosing spondylitis or cancer, nighttime pain, which can indicate ankylosing spondylitis or cancer, a patient aged over 50, which can indicate cancer, weight loss, which can indicate cancer, bilateral neurological motor or sensory symptoms, which can indicate cordoaquina, saddle anesthesia, which is concerning for cordoaquina, urinary retention or urinary incontinence, which can indicate cordoaquina, Incontinence of feces, which can indicate cordoaquina. A history of cancer with potential metastases, which could indicate cordoaquina or spinal metastases. Fever, which can indicate a spinal infection. And a history of intravenous drug use, which may also indicate a spinal infection. Key findings to look out for an examination are localised tenderness to the spine, which may indicate a spinal fracture or cancer, bilateral neurological motor or sensory signs, which can indicate cordoaquina, distension of the bladder, which can imply urinary retention due to cordoaquina, and reduced anal tone on a rectal examination, which is a sign of cordoaquina. The sciatic stretch test can be used to help diagnose sciatica. This involves the patient lying on their back with their legs straight. The examiner lifts one leg from the ankle with the knee extended until the limit of hip flexion is reached, usually around 80 to 90 degrees. Then the examiner dorsiflex the patient's ankle 
which involves moving their toes in the direction of their head. If this movement causes sciatica-type pain in the buttock or posterior thigh, this indicates sciatic nerve root irritation. Symptoms then improve with flexion of the knee. A tom tip for you, it's worth remembering the main cancers that metastasize to bones. If the patient in your exam has a history of these cancers and they present with back pain, you should think about possible corda equina or spinal metastases. You can remember them with the portable mnemonic, PO for prostate, R for renal, TA for thyroid, B for breast and LE for lung. Next, let's talk about the investigations. Generally, patients who have mechanical or non-specific lower back pain can be diagnosed clinically and do not require any further investigations. X-rays or CT scans can be used to diagnose spinal fractures. Bladder scans can be used to assess for urinary retention in suspected corda equina, testing both the pre- and post-void volumes. An emergency MRI scan is required in patients with suspected corda equina, and this should be done within hours of the presentation. Investigations for suspected ankylosing spondylitis are inflammatory markers, for example CRP and ESR, an x-ray of the spine and the sacrum, which may show a fused bamboo spine in later disease, or an MRI of the spine, which can show bone marrow edema even in early disease. Next, let's talk about the START-BACK screening tool. The START-BACK tool was developed by Keele University to stratify the risk of a patient presenting with acute back pain developing chronic back pain. This helps guide the intensity of the initial investigations, for example whether they require a referral for group exercises, physiotherapy or cognitive behavioural therapy. The screening tool involves nine questions that assess the patient's function and psychological response to the back pain. It gives a total score out of nine and a subscore on the four psychosocial questions out of four. The interpretation gives the risk of developing chronic lower back pain. Patients who score a total score of 3 or less and a subscore of 3 or less are low risk. Those who have a total score of 3 or more and a subscore of 3 or less are considered medium risk. And those patients who have a total score of more than 3 and a subscore of more than 3 are considered high risk. Next, let's talk about managing acute lower back pain. First, it's important to exclude serious underlying causes. If there's concerns about symptoms or signs of an underlying condition, then it's important to arrange further investigations and refer appropriately. For example, a same-day referral to the on-call orthopaedic team for an urgent MRI scan if corda equina is suspected. Checking the inflammatory markers and arranging an urgent rheumatology review if ankylosing spondylitis is suspected. And full inline spinal immobilization and admission to a trauma unit with x rays and CT scans if spinal injury is suspected after major trauma. 
Patients with neurological signs and symptoms on examination, particularly if they're progressive or severe, may require referral to orthopaedics or neurosurgery, potentially urgently. The START back tool, which we discussed earlier, can be used to stratify the risk of developing chronic lower back pain. The NICE clinical knowledge summaries updated in 2020 give the options for managing non-specific lower back pain based on the outcome of risk stratification. For example, the outcome of the start back assessment. It's always important to check the latest local and national guidelines when you're treating patients. Patients at low risk of chronic back pain can generally be managed with self-management, education, reassurance, analgesia and staying active and continuing to mobilise as tolerated. Additional options for patients at medium or high risk of developing chronic back pain include physiotherapy, group exercise and cognitive behavioural therapy. The NICE clinical knowledge summaries advise for analgesia, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs or NSAIDs such as ibuprofen or naproxen can be used first line, codeine is an alternative and benzodiazepines, for example diazepam, may be used for muscle spasm but only short term of up to 5 days. They specifically state not to use opioids, antidepressants, amitriptyline, gabapentin or pregabalin for lower back pain. It's important to give safety net advice to report any red flag symptoms that develop such as saddle anesthesia or incontinence. A procedure called radiofrequency denervation may be an option in patients with chronic lower back pain that's originating in the facet joints. Radiofrequency is used to target and damage the medial branch nerves that supply sensation to the specific facet joints that are associated with the back pain and this is performed under a local anaesthetic. Finally, let's talk about the management of sciatica. The initial management of sciatica is mostly the same as acute lower back pain. The NICE clinical knowledge summaries updated in 2020 state not to use medications such as gabapentin, pregabalin, diazepam or oral corticosteroids to treat sciatica. They state not to use opioids for chronic sciatica. They suggest considering a neuropathic medication if symptoms are persisting or worsening at follow-up, but not to use gabapentin or pregabalin. And this leaves the main choices of using amitriptyline or duloxetine. Specialist management options for chronic sciatica include epidural corticosteroid injections, local anaesthetic injections, radiofrequency denervation, and spinal decompression. Thanks for listening to this episode on back pain and sciatica. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for editing the podcast. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk in detail about Corda Equina Syndrome.